clothes and <laughs> lay down. I said, you can grab your pillows and lay down, Dennis. Oh. Yeah. Dennis was going like this. Which was no good since I was directing it at him. You know, it's like... <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, it's so awesome to uh, be able to, to participate in, in that sing, singing and to enjoy just praising a God who is so worthy. And uh, as we were singing, it's just struck me at uh, these things that we sing. Sometimes we, we can feel like we're just doing words, but when you really listen and participate and and really draw that in, you recognize that we do have an awesome and amazing God that we worship and celebrate. And so uh, I'm just always blessed by that. So thank you very much, praise team, for leading us in that. Um, Well, I'm sure you've all heard the expression, don't believe everything that you hear. And uh, in this day and age, I think that's becoming more and more (laughs) important and relevant for us. Uh, There are things that... um, we hear all over, uh, and not just out in the world, but sometimes in churches, that we have to guard our heads against and be prepared for. We have to be careful what we're paying attention to and what we're not paying attention to. We have to make sure that we're discerning what is correct and what is incorrect. In uh, the ABF class that I'm teaching, we are in the study of First John, and uh, as was mentioned uh, we're in the first six verses of 1 John 4 today. And um, as I was going through that, and uh, most of you know I read through the Bible every year, and this year as I was preparing for this study, and as I was looking at this, I was really, uh, some things really struck me, it really stood out to me uh, that I guess I had never really paid attention to uh, or caught before. And it was a theme that was repeated over and over again. And I want to uh, share a few things from that um, uh, as we go through the day today. Um, one of the problems that we often run into is people taking Scripture and then distorting it to prove their point or uh, taking it out of context and preaching and teaching something that is totally incorrect from the context of what it says. But we also have people who are out there in the world uh, who are teaching and uh, saying things that we have to really uh, stop and listen to and pay attention to and be ready to refute or correct. Let me give you a a quick example of that. It's probably not easy for you to read all of this, and I'm not expecting you to, but this was a letter to the editor that was in the paper this week, and... uh, uh, just as you can see what I highlighted there, I, I, what I did is I just copied this off of the uh, uh, paper online and I posted it here. Uh, but if you look, it says, uh, misguided individuals would have me believe that in the hoaxes pretexted in the Bible, I'm, I'm sorry, perpetrated in the Bible, uh, perhaps Noah actually existed as the lucky survivor. If so, it was sinful of him to hypothesize. Uh, that all the drowned humans were unredeemable sinners. And you can look at the rest of that. It's in the paper if you'd like. You can find it online. 
Uh, but bottom line there, you see, makes me wonder how Noah's worldwide flood could have drained away. He explains why he thinks that. I'm feeling giddyish about a potential scientific hypothesis of this. But here's the part that I really wanted to emphasize. I'm proud to be an evolutionary descendant of a common ancestor of apes and not a descendant of Noah's inbred, extremely limited gene pool. I am served by the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient scientific method. How many of you want to base your future, your beliefs, your uh, hope for eternity on this kind of teaching? I know, I believe, John, you spoke a little bit on this last Sunday in your ABF class. There are people who spend inordinate amounts of time trying to show and prove that the Bible is false. Do you ever think about that? If they don't believe in the Bible, if they don't believe in God, why do they spend so much time trying to prove that God does not exist and that the Bible is wrong? People spend a whole lifetime sometimes trying to prove things that are there. By the way, if you see any spelling errors, and there are multiple of them in the article, I just copied it. I didn't retype it. Their spelling errors are his. I'm not making fun of the guy. I'm just pointing out that you know, if you're going to base something on what somebody writes, you might want to examine a little bit of how they write and the things that they say. With all of that, it's important for us to know where it is that we're going. And by the way, uh, uh, one of the things that, as I was reading that article, this came to my mind. Uh, my, Dan Leith is a young man who grew up here in our church, and he's uh, a cartoonist with Answers in Genesis, and uh, I like his version better. Uh, the Ark is our lifesaver, and uh, we're grateful for the Ark that we uh, uh, still have people around today because of what God did. And by the way, if you're insulting Noah, you're really insulting God, and you're really going after him. And so we have to be careful. The things that we say and the things that we read and buy into and believe. So I'm going to share some thoughts and ideas here today from First uh, John chapter 4. If you would turn there, and uh, if, you're not, if you don't have your own Bible and you're looking at one in the in the uh, chair ahead of you, it's on page 1212, uh, 1,212. Let me just uh, lead us in a quick word of prayer, and then uh, we'll read the scripture. Lord God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come together, and I thank you for your word. Lord, uh, you have provided for us answers to things in this world that uh, others who are outside just don't understand. And we don't have all of the answers, but your word does, and you do. And we believe that you are the creator God. We believe that you have uh, provided for us a means of salvation in eternity. And it's not going to be found in any scientific studies or anything else that is imperfect. It's only found in a perfect God. And so we're grateful. We're grateful for you and for the way you lead us and direct us and guide us. Lead us now through this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4. Uh, it's always interesting uh, throughout this uh, how John addresses the readers. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever does not know God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John is warning his readers here to be prepared for an onslaught of opposition to the things that they believe. I think the fly is, thinks he lives on me. Um, and so the call here is to test. Test to see whether or not what is being said, what you're reading, what you're hearing, whether it measures up, whether it matches up to what God has taught elsewhere. It's important for us to take note of some of the things that he really points out here. He says, don't believe every spirit, test the spirits. So I was thinking about that, I was kind of mulling that over this week, and I was trying to trying to decide, okay, what, what does that mean? How do I test the spirits? What do I use as my measuring stick, my my uh, ability to discern what is uh, from God, what is not from God, what is true, what is not true, uh, what do I believe, what don't I believe? I mean, not everything that we believe in our lives is stuff that we've read in the Bible, it's stuff that we've heard uh, out there in the world, there's things that we believe uh, because somebody has told us this is a truth, this is a reality. And, and what this is telling us is, as you examine those, think them through, examine them, test them, and make sure that they are correct. I'm going to share with you some things, and in, in, in full disclosure on this, uh, the, the headlines of each of these uh, I did not come up with. Um, I was going through, I was studying on this, and I was thinking about this, and I liked what, what one of the commentaries uh, I had. Much of what's in between uh, are things that the Holy Spirit gave me to share with you, but uh, for the, the headlines here on some of these, I just want you to know that I did get those uh, off of uh, commentary. So uh, the uh, big questions that we need to be asking. The first question, the most, one of the most important, does it agree with the Bible? So let me just point out to you what I just had up on the board. Uh, does any of that, what that man had shared, does it match up? Does it, does it meet the test of, does it fit with the Bible? And, and I, hope, I hope none of you are saying, oh yeah, it's perfect. No, it doesn't match. It's not at all. Now, that guy's not professing to be a Christian, but he is attacking Christianity, isn't he? He's attacking God. He's attacking God's word. And we have to be ready then to uh, examine that. So here's, here's some thoughts on that. Does this thought or impression that is being told to you agree with the Bible? When you think about uh, something that you've been told just in this last week, does what that person said 
what that person was teaching, what that person was trying to impart to you, does it match up to the Bible? God will never contradict what he has already given us in his word. He doesn't say one thing and then change his mind like we do. And that's an important thought because oftentimes, you know, we, we pick up a thought or a theory or whatever else and then somewhere down the line, it changes. Something in that changes. And so we have to re-examine it and say, wait a minute, that doesn't measure up. So as, we're, as you're hearing something, and especially if it's on the, quote, spiritual side, you need to stop and examine it. Does it measure up? Does it agree with the Bible? God is consistent. He's not moody. He doesn't change his mind. God will never tell you to violate a principle given in his word, the Bible. This is a matter of testing what has been said and testing it against the rest of Scripture. I like this uh, uh, that uh, I got when I was at the Moody Pastors Conference. Erwin uh, uh, Lutzer, who was the at that time was the pastor at Moody uh, Church, uh, had just written a book, and uh, actually we were at the uh, I was at the Moody Pastors Conference, and he had a substitute in for who was going to be the speaker because that pastor had been in an accident. And so he gets up and he was sharing some things. And one of the, one of the things, a quote from his book is, consider the game plan put forward by activists. And he was talking about a specific uh, situation. I can explain it to you if you'd like further later. Uh, first, they should, this is what they're saying, okay, the, the activists. First, they should talk about this subject loudly and as often as possible almost all behavior begins to look normal if you are exposed to enough of it at close quarters and among your acquaintances okay did you get that so if you hear something over and over and over again all of the time consistently the same theme after a while something that previously had looked abnormal all of a sudden looks absolutely normal you start to buy into a belief or a theory. Secondly, portray these people as victims, the people that he was talking about, a strategy designed to play to most Americans' sympathy for the underdog. You, can you relate to that one? You, you know, don't we, don't we do that in a lot of situations? You know, you, you, you portray somebody who has been a perpetrator, and eventually you bring them back and make them out to be a poor victim. And after all, it was a circumstance that they couldn't control. And they're really nice people, but, you know, we just need to love them and be kind to them and take care of them, even though they just committed a murder or multiple murders or whatever it might be. And, and so the idea here is making sure that what we are hearing and buying into is consistent with what the Bible says. Otherwise, what you end up with is what... Johnny Erickson Tata said, and gradually, though no one remembers exactly how it happened, the unthinkable becomes tolerable, and then acceptable, and then legal, and then applaudable. Um, have you heard any applause lately that, about anything that might be inconsistent with God's word? I don't know when she wrote that, but I don't think it was within the last week or two. We as a society are being led down trails that are un, 
healthy. And we have to be prepared. If we're not prepared, we will start to buy into things that are inconsistent with God's word and will lead us astray to a place that Satan wants to lead us. My friend, Dr. Dwight Perry, who has preached in this pulpit on a few occasions, he was the uh, uh, ran our district of churches for several years. He used to say this all the time. If text is taken out of context, it is pretext. And I can I could take some of the text even from the verses we just read, and I can take it out of context and tell you that this is what we should do. And the reality is, is that if I do that, it's pretext. I'm lying to you. And that's what we have to guard against. We have to make sure that we are not buying into something that is not truth. The Bible is truth. We can base our future, our hope, everything on the Word of God. We cannot trust the words of people who are telling us something that does not measure up to what the Scriptures teach on a regular basis. Well, the next question is, does it make me more like Jesus? No matter what other standard you might want to use, Jesus Christ, his life, the way he lived, the way he interacted with other people, is our ultimate standard that we should strive for. He is our model. Will, we, will any of us reach that same level of perfection that, that Jesus Christ did? Of course not. But that doesn't hold us back from striving in that direction, to pursuing that type of behavior, to being more like that in our daily lives, in our interactions with other people. We have a choice. We can use a model of a person, or we can use a model of Jesus Christ, who was a man, but he was perfect. He was God. We have to make that choice. We have to make that decision. And am I allowing God's word to make me more and more like Jesus? Or am I using worldly views to make me more and more like the world? I have to make that decision. How do I know which one I'm doing? I have to look at the scriptures. I have to be in the word. I have to study it. I have to know what it says about whatever that topic is, whatever that subject is. And I have to pursue that. When Jesus was asked that question by the Pharisees, which is the greatest commandment? He said, first of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing in that area? I saw this this week and I thought it kind of fit in here. It was kind of funny. Don't forgive seven times, 77 times. Oh, great, now I have to remember math. Have you ever contemplated that 77? Have you ever dealt with somebody and you try, okay, how many times have I forgiven this person for these terrible things they've done? I remember this one and that. Oh, I lost track at about 20. Don't you think that's what he's saying? In fact, don't worry about the math. Worry about your heart. 
worry about what you are doing with that person. Does it measure up? The next area, the next test is, does my church family confirm this? When I read that one, I, I really, I, I, I just stopped and thought about, you know, there are, there are times when we hear something and, you know, you start to contemplate it and then you, you're kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm really not too sure about this. And, and you find somebody within the church, somebody that you trust or believe in, and, and maybe uh, somebody that, that has demonstrated that, that they really have a good grasp of Scripture. And you go to that person and you say, you know, what is your thought on this? You know, I'm kind of struggling with this. And, and I'm kind of leaning in this direction. And if that person says, oh, wait a minute, you're way off. I think it's way over here. Then I might want to go and find a couple of other people within the church. Like, okay, help me to, help me to really understand this. So that I can rightly interpret and apply and use the word of God. So when I go to other believers who I respect and, and, and know that, that they're mature Christians and I can, I can trust what they have to say, what their opinion is on this, it will help me to get that right balance. So I, I, I've used the scripture. I've checked to see if it makes me more like Jesus. Then I ask other believers, is this a correct interpretation of the word? There's... Actually, in this, there's like six or seven. I only picked out a few of them for us to look at today. So if we're testing spirits, we need to recognize that there are two kinds of spirits in the world. Uh, Verse 2 here says that by this you know the Spirit of God. So the first spirit is the Spirit of God. And the first test then is what? Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. What is that saying? That's saying that what the Bible has taught about Jesus Christ is that he came from God. If he came from God, he is God. He is who he said he was. He described himself as I am. He said, I am the way to get to heaven. There is no other way to get there other than belief in me. I am God. And he didn't come out and said, I am God, but he tells us in every other way until at one point when he's asked, are you the one? And he says, yes, I am. We have to believe that. If we don't believe that, if we cannot confess that, if we cannot say that with confidence, then we're being misled. We're being led by the wrong spirit. There's a test. The test is, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the one who came. And if we're listening to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes into all who believe and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit will tell us the truth. And we're to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God. And three, verse three, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and now is in the world already. In fact, earlier in First John, he talks about many Antichrists who had gone out. We know that 
that as we look at Scripture, as we communicate, as we uh, participate in church, we recognize that there are many antichrists. There are many who are out there preaching and teaching against Jesus Christ and things that for so long have stood as an absolute foundation of who we are and what we believe. So the one spirit, the spirit that's from God, leads us to confess that Jesus Christ is God. There are two spirits. The second spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the world, any spirit that does not, or that that is against God, does not believe or confess that Jesus Christ is God. Back to the thing that I shared from the Mining Journal, the letter to the editor. Which spirit do you think led that man to write what he wrote? Spirit of God or the spirit of the world? Clearly the spirit of the world, right? That's why, that's why it is so important for us to test, to examine what is being said. Because there are people who, out, who are out there teaching all kinds of things. And there are people who will buy into anything that is anti-Bible and anti-God because they want to justify their behaviors, their lives that are anti-God, anti-Bible. And so we have to examine, we have to check, we have to, to, to make sure that what we're seeing and hearing what we're learning is of God and is not of man. Verse 4, which is Anne's life verse, it's her favorite verse, and quotes it often to folks that are struggling and dealing with things. And I love this verse as well, and it's, it's such a, a beautiful verse. He who is in you, that's the second part of that verse, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When we're in doubt, when we're worrying, when we're, we're thinking about you know, uh, other things, we have to remember that when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us, that Holy Spirit is in us. And is that Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, is living in us. He is greater than the spirit of the world. So, so as we're being bombarded with world things, worldly views, all of those kinds of things, Greater is he who is in me. He has already won the victory. We talked a little bit about this on, at our Tuesday morning Bible study. You know, the, the, the great thing that we have, have you ever thought about this? The wonderful, awesome blessing that we have, <laughs> we, we have the rest of the story. You know what happens in the end? God wins. And you know what? If you're on his team, you know what that means? You win too. It's a done deal, folks. It was done when Jesus Christ died on that cross, was buried, and rose back to life again and ascended into heaven. He won the war. The war of spirits. The battle is still going on. But the war has been won already. It was won by Jesus Christ when he was raised back to life again. 
verse 5, gives us an explanation of the contrast or, or helps us to see it. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You see that contrast there? You see the, the, the way that, that John lays it out there for us and makes it so clear for us. Look, you're going to run up against people who are not going to believe what you're saying because their view is a world view. When you come up against them, you may have clash of ideas. Probably will have clash of ideas. But they, non-Christians, are from the world. They have a world view. They speak from a worldly perspective. That worldly perspective is based upon human knowledge. It's not based upon God. And so it's easy for us, because of that, if it sounds good, it feels good, we can follow that pattern that Luther laid out there for us. That we hear it enough times that after a while you start to think, oh yeah, that is true. Because it's been told to you over and over again. Our human mind, after a while, starts to filter it and the filter becomes repetition. The repetition says it's okay. After we hear it enough times, it's okay. If we don't test the spirits, we will be led down a trail that is unhealthy, that will lead us to a place where God is saying, don't go there. We Christians are from God. We have the view of God given us in the Bible, His Word, and being led by God the Holy Spirit who is dwelling in us. So, so God didn't just leave us. In fact, if you remember in, in John chapter 14, uh, Jesus said, well, I'm going away. I'm going. I'm going to heaven. But you know what? I, I love you so much that I, I don't want to leave you abandoned. I don't want to just leave you without any hope. I don't want to leave you without anybody to, to kind of help you. So I'm going to, spend, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to ask God the Father, and we're going to send the spirit. And the spirit, God's spirit, is going to come and dwell in us. I, I often think about the difference here. You know, when, when Jesus was in the world, because he was in human form, he was limited by time and space, right? Even though he was God, he, he was, for that season, he was limited. In other words, he could not interact with everybody who was a Christ follower. Now, there were limited, you know, there were limited numbers of people at that time and all of that. But if you think about how the word has spread throughout the world, Somebody in human form could not wander around and, and interact with everybody. So he says, you know what? So that you're not left abandoned, I'm going to send God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come and live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you as you're going through things and as you look at things and as you hear things, you can test. The Holy Spirit is going to help you to test those spirits, those things that you're, you're looking at and hearing. He's giving us a yardstick, a measuring stick, and he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to tell you this is right and that's not. Listen 
to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. Well, because of time, I'm going to try to finish this up fairly quickly here. So here's some additional uh, tests that you can use. If it is from God, it will be pure. If it is from God, it will be peace-loving. If it is from God, it will be considerate. If it is from God, it will be humble. Don't we all love that word? If it is from God, it will be full of mercy. It's the opposite of many things that are happening in the world today, isn't it? If it is from God, it will be impartial and sincere. I, I try oftentimes to be impartial. But you know, there are certain things and certain times when it's hard to do that, isn't it? When you're dealing with something that is very hurtful or harmful to somebody, especially somebody you care about, it's hard to be impartial. But that's what we're called to do. Is something that we're hearing and being taught, something that's going on, is it impartial and sincere? Is it something that when I look at that, it's like, oh yeah, that's, that, 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 that matches up to God's Word. Well, as we're testing the spirits, we have to use the other one as well. If it is not from God, in other words, if it's motivated by bitterness and envy, we can measure that and we can say, wait a minute. I understand this person is very angry, very bitter, very upset about something, or, or this person wants to achieve to be whatever that position might be. This person is is trying to be uh, upwardly moving and something is happening around them and so they're bad-mouthing people who are ahead of them. Motivated by bitterness or envy. Another one is if it is not of God, if it is motivated by selfish ambition. There are people who feel that they can say and do whatever they need to if it will allow them to get ahead of other people. They will destroy somebody if it makes them feel like they are better than that person. That is not following the Spirit of God. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Jesus being our model and our example. It gives the greatest test of all when it comes to that. And we already talked about this, but I just want to remind us of this test. Because I think when we boil everything else down, as we're examining things around us, thinking about that, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And next, love your neighbor as yourself. we, We can test everything else. Is what is being said to me honoring God and being good or being neighborly or being kind to my neighbors? If not, then we need to dismiss it and move on. So the message is test the spirits. Test information that we hear against God's word. Being led by God the Holy Spirit, helping us to understand and believe the truth of God's word. Remember, as we take the offering, or as we sing our last song, we will be taking an offering for the Gideons. Uh, if you haven't, haven't got that ready, let me just uh, close this portion in prayer, and then uh, the praise team will come, and we'll sing our last song. Lord God, I thank you for leading and guiding. I thank you for your word that helps us on a daily basis when we're, when we're being bombarded with so many things that are false, so many things that are wrong. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and helps us to discern. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation because you went to that cross and bore my sins. Thank you for your love and for your grace. So amazing that we can't even begin to measure it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.